0: Good morning, i Chris Oaks, and coming up today, organized religion at a crossroads in America, as a growing number of people say they feel disconnected from the dogmatic practices of faith. Why one Jewish rabbi says this challenge should actually be seen as an opportunity. Also this morning, opposite reaction from opposite sides of the political aisle to the latest indictment of Donald Trump. But one thing everyone agrees on is that this case will have an impact on the 2024 presidential election. We'll take a closer look. And from commencement to Father's Day, we have great gift ideas for dads and grads. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, June 13, 2023. Would be remiss if we didn't, uh, right out of the gate, uh, mention the passing of our uh, good friend and uh, colleague, uh, Dwight Allen, longtime host of uh, the uh, immensely popular Racing World program on this station for a number of years. And of course, a second look at sports. Um, just a, a wonderful human being. It, it, you would be hard pressed to find a kinder uh, soul than Dwight Allen, and he will definitely be missed uh, by all of us here uh, at the uh, at the uh, radio station among his uh, radio family. Well, certainly thoughts and prayers uh, with the uh, family of Dwight Allen at his passing. couple of uh, items here among the first things you need to know this morning, uh, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. So as you go to work today, uh, there are certain things you should avoid talking about with your coworkers, right? This is kind of an unwritten rule in the office. You don't talk about politics, sex, religion, or money uh, with uh, people at work. That can certainly lead to uh, some negative consequences. Uh, but this is kind of interesting. Uh, now, there is the mindset that some of these subjects do not necessarily have to be totally off limits if. Everyone involved in the conversation uh, are both enthusiastically consenting and actively participating. People nowadays having private back-and-forth conversations at work with respectful boundaries about politics, religion, and money. But sex is still a topic that many people will not touch with their uh, work colleagues. I just thought this was kind of interesting. There's a story on the uh, the Newswire about what is and isn't off-limits to uh, talk about at work, and I thought that was really interesting, the line uh, in the story about uh, people having back-and-forth conversations with respectful boundaries about things like politics, religion, and money. And I'm thinking, if that's true, then that's the only place on Earth where there are respectful boundaries. (laughs) Because it seems like uh, these days uh, there are no boundaries, especially when it comes to politics In religion. But, uh, you know, hey, if that's for you, then uh, have at it, I guess. I don't know. See, because here's the thing. I mean, it's tough at work to know what you can and can't say. Did you happen to see this story went uh, viral on TikTok over the weekend? Uh, A Kmart worker in Australia. Yes, they still have Kmart stores in Australia. And um, it's actually, I think, that's the most successful place on earth for the Kmart chain right now. I mean, there are only like half a dozen Kmart stores in the, in the entire United States. Uh, but in Australia, there are still uh, quite a few. And um, this uh, Kmart worker went viral after posting a TikTok video of himself theatrically announcing the closing time of the store. Um, Liam Gildia. Uh, is a part-time musician from Australia uh, who has a side job, you know, to pay the bills at the local Kmart. And he was in charge of announcing that the store was going to be closing. So 10 minutes before the uh, the closing time, he gets on the PA and uh, he decided to have a little fun, change things up a bit rather than the standard boilerplate announcement about, you know, the store closing. So he gets on the uh on the PA and says good evening customers as the time is now 8:50 this store will close in 10 minutes time as the sun must set on a beautiful horizon so must you make your way to the front of the store to finalize your purchases and apparently he uh then starts to play uh some uh classical piece uh, S- uh spring by Vivaldi <laughs> over the PA uh before announcing the closing time in a British accent. He really made a big deal about it. And uh, apparently the, the video of this went viral. Um, he, say, he says over the music, good morrow, customers, good morrow. Uh, <laughs> the video goes viral and uh, everybody was liking this thumbs up, you know, giving it thumbs up and, and all of this. The customers had some fun with it. Well, apparently his managers were not amused. And uh, they, be- they basically told him off, warned him, don't ever do anything like that again. And so he quit. He has now quit. He's been this viral sensation uh, that, for this video, simple closing time announcement that everybody seems to love, but his managers didn't like it and gave him some grief. So he up and quit. And I'm thinking to myself, is <laughs> this video, by the way, has like 9 million views. So this is like 9 million free advertisements for Kmart. Can they really afford <laughs> to look at gift horse in the mouth? I mean, really? <laughs> is Kmart the, uh, the type of business that can afford to look at gift horse in the mouth? I know it's not, you know, company protocol and, uh, and all of that. But is this really the worst thing in the world? <laughs> I think I know why Kmart is struggling so much, you know? Anyway, it's kind of interesting. Maybe this guy can get a job with the University of Wisconsin. Uh, If you are looking for a job, uh, the University of Wisconsin at Madison has a dream job, what could be a dream job for you. You do have to be very lactose tolerant, though. (laughs) Lactose intolerant people need not apply. The Center for Dairy Research at the University of Wisconsin at Madison is hiring a dairy taste tester to talk about food based on appearance, texture, taste, and aroma. Uh, it says here, whoever gets the gig can expect to taste as many as a dozen pizzas and 24 cheese samples a week. <laughs> then basically share your thoughts on appearance, texture, taste, aroma, and so on. 24 cheese samples a week and uh, maybe a dozen pizzas. I, You know, I'm thinking at, at first that would... Seem to be a pretty easy gig. But I'm thinking that would get old real quick. <laughs> you know what I mean? That would get old, Rick. I don't know if this is a full-time permanent position or whether this is a, uh, a part-time job with a definite start and end date, a limited time opportunity. I have no idea. But a dairy taste tester for the Center for Dairy Research at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So that's... There you go. If you're uh, interested, I'm not sure if there's an application down. I'm assuming there's an application deadline. I don't have all of the details, but I'm guessing that you can look it up online. If you Google the Center for Dairy Research at uh, UWM, you'll probably get all of the uh, info. Uh, Let's see what else is going on in the world. Very important stuff to know right out of the gate this morning. This is big news. The famous 7-Eleven Slurpee is getting a makeover. What's that you say? Yes, um, the the cups are specifically getting a makeover. The recipe is not changing, so you're, the Slurpee is not changing. So you don't have to worry about that. It's not the Slurpee itself that's getting the makeover. It's the cups. As the company wants to ditch its psychedelic pinwheel look, the cup has had numerous redesigns, seven redesigns, since 1966, to be specific, when the uh, when the treat debuted, this latest design will feature a new logo, and the S on the cup for Slurpee will resemble the swirly top of the Slurpee. According to the National Association of Convenience Stores, 7-Eleven, the largest U.S. convenience store chain in America, and uh, uh, they they. The uh, purchase of the speedway chain uh they became the uh, the largest convenience store chain uh in uh in america and uh, so the uh, slurpee getting a uh, makeover no word on the story that i saw on the newswire does not have a date connected to the rollout of the slurpee cup redesign but it is coming to a 7-eleven and speedway store near you soon I'm not a slurpy aficionado I I know that is probably un-American of me And uh, I will probably get flamed for that But I am not a big slurpy aficionado If you are, though uh, It is uh, big news And finally, among the first things you need to know this morning The most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day Here's something to think about Uh, A new WalletHub study is out And I love WalletHub studies Because they come up with all kinds of interesting lists and rankings, and they don't do this willy-nilly. They always base this on a lot of uh, empirical data. I mean, very specific data that they research and crunch the numbers and uh, evaluate and, and so on. So they have uh, compared all 50 states on a 100-point scale based on two key categories. Entertainment and recreation is one category. Nightlife, the second category. And they have ranked all 50 states uh, in terms of fun. So these are the most fun states in America. They've ranked them all top to bottom uh, according to the amount of fun you would have in these states. Uh entertainment and recreation held the majority of the points, uh 80 points in all attributed to that category. And uh the evaluation included things like the number of attractions, uh access to parks, um the weather, you know things like that. Um nightlife, evaluated the average cost of adult beverages, uh the cost of going to a movie, access to bars, Uh, and nightclubs, among other things. So they crunch all of the numbers, and overall, California earned first place uh, as the most fun state in America, with Florida coming in second. So California and Florida are one and two, followed by Nevada as number three, New York is four, and Illinois rounding out the top five as the most fun state's In America, funnest states in America, if you will. Uh, Let's see here. So again, you know, based on the uh, rankings, um, sun-soaked beaches, theme parks, dazzling cities, vibrant culture, some of the uh, big points for the top five. On the other hand, at the bottom of the list, Arkansas was number 46, Rhode Island, number 47, Delaware was 48th. West Virginia, 49th, and at the bottom of the list, in 50th place, Mississippi. So those are the bottom five. Uh, I looked it up. Ohio ranks 13th overall, so just outside of the top 10. Ohio is 13th overall, and Michigan came in at number 22. The only thing that I question about this entire list is the fact that Hawaii is was number 26 as the most fun state in America, Hawaii, middle of the pack. I, I, I mean, just a hair uh, below, you know, the midpoint. I don't know. And I, as much fun as Michigan can be with some of its beaches and beautiful scenery in Michigan, for it to be four places higher than Hawaii, am not sure that the beaches in Michigan are that much better than... <laughs> In Hawaii, you know what I mean? I'm just That's the only thing that I question about that story. Make make of it what you will. Ohio, the 13th most fun state in America. Now you know. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started.
1: WFIN News. I'm Matt Demcheck. Your WTOL 11 weather. Showers today with a high only reaching the mid-60s. More showers tonight, a low in the mid-50s. The Finley Police Department's James Mathias has been sworn in as the department's new police chief. He tells us that he's up to this new challenge.
0: Never thought I would be sitting behind a desk and that. I always liked working with the guys and gals in the street and that. Working midnight shift and that, out arresting drunk drivers and looking for drugs and criminal activity.
1: Matthias has been with the Finley Police Department since 1995, and he's a former Officer of the Year. Get more of our conversation with him and see video from his swearing-in ceremony with this story on our website. The Ohio Department of Transportation is reacting to the news that over the weekend a section of Interstate 95 in Philadelphia collapsed when a tanker truck caught on fire under a highway bridge.
2: A lot of people on Twitter are wondering if the same situation could happen here in Ohio. A spokesperson with ODOT tweeted this saying a fire is possible under any bridge. And it has happened in Ohio before, back in July of 2015, on I-70 over the 270 overpass on the west side of Columbus. The spokesperson says the bridge, though, did not fail, but it did have to be demolished and rebuilt. I'm Angela Ann.
1: The longtime host of WFIN's Racing World and A Second Look at Sports, Dwight Allen, has passed away. In 2019, as A Second Look at Sports was coming to a close, we asked Dwight how he came up with the show. I've
3: always had a desire to uh, combine sports with my faith. And uh, I I didn't know what I was going to do or how I was going to do it, but through the years... A plan kind of came together and it ended up being on 601 stations across the country. So that's, that's the way it goes.
1: Dwight Allen was 82 years old. His visitation and funeral will be held later this week. Get more on the website. Two Bowling Green State University graduates took flight to break an aviation world record.
4: Their goal was to take off and land continuously from 48 states in 48 hours. They did it in 44 hours and 30 minutes.
0: The pilots say the weather was very good to them, and so they were able to be met with tremendous support throughout their entire journey.
1: WTOL 11's Tatiana Cash reporting. Remember, you can always give more news online at WFIN.com. Mm-hmm.
0: you know, organized religion in America stands at a critical moment today. A growing number of people, particularly young people, feel disconnected from traditional religion and its practices. And recognizing this disconnection, our next guest says it should actually be seen as an opportunity. Rabbi Michael Strassfeld is author of Judaism Disrupted, a spiritual manifesto for the 21st century. And Rabbi, first of all, I want to point out that that much of what you talk about in the book, uh, while obviously it is geared toward Judaism, uh, it's really uh, a lot of it is applicable to any religion, whether we're talking about uh, those of the Jewish faith or Catholics or Protestant, whatever it might happen to be.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely true. I think religion across the board is facing challenges of, of being in the modern world, and particularly in the last couple decades, we live in a very very disruptive times. Hence the title of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know many people are um, increasingly fewer people are affiliated with churches or synagogues or mosques. Right. And um, it, it's a challenge for, every, for everybody.
0: And the numbers bear that out in terms of uh, membership and, and attendance at churches and, and so on. What has changed? I mean, why are we seeing this growing disconnect between people and the church, any church?
2: I think because um, people looking at religion, and uh, again, I think it's true of many religions, Feel that um, the religion is very focused on rules and on uh, institutions and buildings and uh, clergy, and and doesn't feel connected to the the real issues in people's lives. Um, That it doesn't offer much. They go to service and services, and they wonder what the prayers. Have to do with with the things that they yeah they they care about. They struggle with. Uh,
0: you will hear that quite often uh, as well. If you ask people why they don't attend church, they say, "Well, I, I'm I'm spiritual. I believe in God, but I I don't uh, support any one particular denomination or or particular church." So, how do you transcend? Uh, what is seen as sort of the confines of any sort of religious dogma, if you will.
2: so I, I you know I, as you say, the book is about Judaism, but I think it's broadly applicable and and uh, I say in the book that Judaism isn't about the be, be, its purpose isn't to be a good Jew, it's to be a good person. and what Judaism, offers, I believe, <clears throat> is a lot of wisdom and practices to help you take the most precious gifts that each of us has been given, which is our lives, and live them with purpose and meaning. And I, I think that is also true of, of other religious traditions. But I think people think that the opposite, that religion has really very little to, to offer. Um and and it's all about judgment and it's about rules. Yeah and, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So um so I think go ahead.
0: No, I was gonna say so so how do you get the the, the powers that be uh to embrace an approach that emphasizes the the spiritual rather than the liturgical aspects of worship?
2: so one of the ways I I do that is to take the rituals, many of the rituals in Judaism, and refashion them as awareness practices. That what they're about is to bring our attention to uh, various aspects of our lives, or perhaps it's to uh, encourage us to uh, cultivate inner qualities such as generosity or satisfaction um, through through thinking about these things, through paying attention to them, rather than oh, I I'm saying this thing or I'm doing this thing, and I'm actually not sure why why it's important to do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we have to make connections between, between um, these practices and these teachings with the the, the issues that uh, each of us faces as, as a human beings in oh, the ups and downs of our existence.
0: You mentioned uh, before, and again, I think this is very, very true, that a lot of people, again, particularly young people, but not exclusively young people, but uh, you, you hear this particularly with, uh, with younger people, younger generations, that uh, organized religion feels like it's all about guilt and obligation and that kind of thing. What is the key to opening those eyes to see uh, to help them see the way religion can enhance one's life rather than just feeling like it is all about the rules and the regulations and the guilt and so on
2: well that's that's this notion of of connecting these practices these, used to be called ritual to things that people care about so to, to take um, you know one uh one example that I think um, is is, is uh, why could be widely appreciated is uh, observing the uh, Shabbat observing the Sabbath mm-hmm. which in, in traditional Jewish life is uh, really stepping away from uh, the, the busy work week and having a time of rest and reflection and and I think even more in our our society in our world where you actually have very little downtime you know your your cell phone is with you everywhere
0: yeah
3: and
2: you know you get emails at night from your work to have a time you know d- you know a day during the week where you s- you step back from that that week of work and you you can slow down and uh, and uh, relax and reflect and and pay attention um to to your life rather than oh i'll pay attention next week and And that next week, that time never comes because you're so caught up in the busyness of life. Yeah, and I think that's an idea that, whether people end up doing it or not, that is an idea that people say, "Oh, I I get that idea. Yeah, that doesn't feel like strange. Why am I doing that? Mm -hmm. You know, like what does it have to do with anything? Yeah, Um, you know, so that you could see the wisdom there, and I think the more um, there are um, moments and practices like that. Then people will say, "This is this is really helpful to me in in giving my life meaning and making me pay attention and, and encouraging me to try and be the person I want to be." But often, I'm you know too busy to 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 do that. Yeah. Um, this uh, I, I do want to
0: ask you about this, uh, because we've seen these stories uh, in the news, uh, specifically as it relates to your faith. You are particularly alarmed at the rising tide of anti-Semitism in society today, and perhaps even more concerning what seems to be a mainstreaming of it, for lack of a better term. What do you— You know what goes through your mind when you see these uh, stories uh, in in the news?
2: Well, it's obviously very upsetting, and you know, initially it could be dismissed as oh, just you know one incident, but Mm -hmm. clearly that's that's not true. And look, I think it's part of um, the challenges that our society has and that the world has, and and partly because we are living in such disruptive times that people feel very uh, uncertain they feel like they're not standing on solid ground anymore things keep feel like everything's shifting uh, beneath us and we don't know you know where we what we can rely and what we can stand on and in some ways in the past religion was partly that place that says you know we we have wisdom uh, you can rely on us we are eternal and people don't feel that and in other ways, they feel very uh, disconcerted, but I, I think you know in the, in my book I, I develop eleven core principles, and the first one is that we are all created in the image of god and if uh, and that if we hold to that principle, that means that uh, each of us is an image of God, and each of us should be treated accordingly um, and not um, disparaged or imagined to be somehow fundamentally different Mm -hmm. than everybody else, right? To be an anti-Semite, you have to assume that Jews are fundamentally different than other people. Yeah, Um, And that, in fact, is, you know, a contradiction of, of, you know, of the beginning of Genesis and and the Bible and and all the traditions that hold the Bible as, as, as holy. Like and in every religion, so there's no magic solution. But I think uh, we need to, you know, hold on to those really key and important principles. Um, as challenging as that can be, when you know the other person, you know, is you know very different from you and has very different opinions. But there is this underlying sense of oneness um, that I think is even more critical at, our time, at these times. Yeah.
0: Uh, It is a a really uh, thought-provoking narrative on balancing tradition, uh, uh, the tradition of religion with the contemporary moment that we uh, live in today. It is called Judaism Disrupted, a Spiritual Manifesto for the 21st Century. Rabbi Michael Strassfeld is uh, the author. And do you have a website where folks can learn more about the book?
2: Yes, it's uh, michaelstrassfeld.com. There's more about the book, how to order it and some reviews, et cetera, et
0: cetera. Encourage folks to check it out. Rabbi Michael Strasfeld, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Best of luck with the book. We appreciate it.
2: Thanks a lot for having me on your show.
0: Well, it will be the big news story that everyone is talking about today. Opposite reaction from opposite sides of the aisle to the latest indictment of Donald Trump, the former president, will appear in federal court in Miami today to enter a plea in the classified documents case. The one thing that everyone agrees on is that uh, it will certainly have an impact on the 2024 presidential election, even this far out. And joining us this morning is Professor Alan Sanders. He is an attorney, uh, professor emeritus of political science at St. Peter's University in New Jersey, and a former Time Magazine senior reporter Professor Sanders, thanks uh, very much for uh, joining us once again. I'm assuming that that your take on this is pretty much like everyone else's from a legal standpoint uh, in reading this indictment, that there is some pretty damning stuff in here, Right.
3: Uh, yes, Chris, good morning. Uh, absolutely. Not only is there some pretty damning stuff in there, but the evidence that's been uh, offered uh, to back up the indictment mm. is uh, quite, uh, quite serious and quite damning. It's uh, evidence that has been obviously gathered from people who are close to Trump and, or who work for Trump or right. are his allies. Um, and so uh, what's interesting is the criticism of the indictment, those who criticize it, the supporters of Trump, don't really challenge anything about the evidence. Well, they just, uh, you know, issue general statements about it's a witch hunt and so forth. Right. Uh it's quite telling that way in that way.
0: It is interesting though. Uh and and this is the part that I don't understand. Maybe you can help us uh, uh understand that if the case is different if the case in in Donald Trump's uh situation is different uh, than the case of Joe Biden having classified documents that he wasn't supposed to have, Mike Pence having classified documents in his possession that he wasn't supposed to have. If the case against Trump is different because of the obstruction, then why are so many counts of the indictment about simple possession? I think it's like the first 33 counts have to do with possession. Doesn't that kind of give, give credence to some of the whataboutism? ism?
3: No, because uh, possession is not enough. You also have to show intent that you intended uh, to, um, you know, it's like the same thing in any crime. Any crime has to do with intent. There are lots of bad things that people happen to do, uh, sometimes intentionally and unintentionally. The real difference is intent. And the... um, indictment is full of evidence. uh, According to the indictment, it's full of statements and uh, alleged evidence uh, that uh, Donald Trump intended to keep the documents. He didn't just keep them. Mm -hmm. He absolutely intended to keep them, knowing that he was not entitled to keep
0: them. So would the indictment be stronger? Is the strongest part of the indictment, those last four or five counts that have to do with uh, with the obstruction? And would it be, and maybe this is more a political question than a legal question, wouldn't the indictment be stronger politically if it was focused specifically on those last four or five counts
3: well an indictment a legal indictment is not concerned about the politics um, sure. A legal indictment right. is concerned about the evidence you've got and uh, whether the evidence you've got violates a law. So what uh, makes this particular indictment stand out and differ from uh, any other, uh, uh, you know, politicians uh, that, uh, that are cited like Biden or Pence uh, is the intent, the intent knowing that you are keeping documents you're not supposed to have, and then secondly, obstructing the authorities from finding that out. And that's uh, what screams out of the indictment. That's what makes it very serious, and that's what makes it different uh, from the other cases.
0: Certainly as you point out uh the legal part of it has to be separated from the political part of it and yet they are kind of intertwined because this is an election year and because Donald Trump is still the front runner for the Republican nomination obviously a long way out but it is uh it is certainly his nomination to lose at this point And I wonder if with all of this media attention surrounding, and and it's understandable given the legal precedents, and this is something that has never happened uh, in history with respect to a a former president being charged uh, in this way, but I wonder, is the media at risk of getting sucked into the same trap of 2016 when Donald Trump rode a lot of free media publicity straight to the nomination? And here we go again.
3: Well, that's certainly a risk. Uh, but, you know, as you point out, look, this is an unprecedented moment in American history, and so certainly the media is going to be all over it. Um, and uh, there's no way that the media can, can avoid that. That's true of any, uh, of any event, uh, whether you consider it to be a good event or a bad event. Uh, look, you know, uh, sometimes there are very bad events, uh, bad actors that do bad things, and I don't want to provide any examples because I don't want to encourage anybody. The media is over it because uh, that's unusual, it's extraordinary, and so it would be uh, a dereliction of duty not to cover it. So when you've got Donald Trump, uh, a former president, any former president for that matter, um, not just Donald Trump, uh, the media obviously is going to do this because it's historic, it's, uh, and uh, the allegations here are very serious, and they also have implications about the behavior of future presidents. So there's no way you're going to get the media to back off on a story like that. Uh, will it uh, help Donald Trump? Well, I think in the short run, it certainly does. We see the polls, and we see that his uh, base is all activated and angry and so forth. But so far, there is no indication that any of this is uh, spreading beyond uh, the base. I mean, it solidifies the base, but there's no indication that Trump has won any new converts to his cause or to his campaign or to um, uh, his support. Uh, So, yes, it does solidify the base, but does it expand the, uh, um, the support for Donald Trump? I don't think so. Uh, If anything, uh, those who oppose him are just as activated as those who do support him.
0: But it is interesting that uh, after the indictment was announced, all of the other candidates or many of the other candidates who are opposing Donald Trump for the nomination were kind of forced into talking about Donald Trump as well. And many, if not most of them, uh, were supportive of his position that this was an unfair prosecution or that it was uh, geared toward uh, political motives?
3: Well, I, I attribute that to the fact that most of them, except for perhaps Asa Hutchinson and Chris Christie, don't have much of a strategy when they entered the race, um, they kind of wanted to tell people, well, I'm really like Trump, but I'm not really like Trump, but mm-hmm. I am really like Trump. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of, uh, that's not a strategy. If you're going to say I'm like Trump, uh, most people are going to want the real brand, and they're not going to want <laughs> yeah, the brand. Why not so it's not clear what yeah. the strategy was before, and that's uh, uh, demonstrated by the fact that they're kind of uh, all over the place on this indictment.
0: So, which leads to the question, so if this does ultimately damage Donald Trump's chances of uh, getting the nomination, uh, who does it help? I mean, who most benefits from this? Is it Ron DeSantis or is it somebody else?
3: It's hard to tell because it's so early in the primary uh, process. I mean, we're just at the beginning. If Donald Trump is damaged, and by the way, I do think he will be damaged by this because um, most voters – Uh, when it comes down to it, say, what are you going to do for me, not what are you going to do for yourself. And so far, the Trump campaign is all about me, not about the voters. So if that stays that way, I'm not sure that this indictment is going to help him in any meaningful way. But who does it benefit? That's too early to tell, because we have to see what the uh, defense is, uh, what the Candidates actually come out and, and argue uh, in, on behalf of themselves. Mm-hmm. And I would, put, uh, uh, I would make a note that, you know, Chris Christie is uh, quite a brawler. And uh, we've seen him before uh, in the prior uh, primary process, Republican primary process, go after Marco Rubio and really destroy Marco Rubio's uh, campaign chances. So we'll have to see whether the brawling um, aspects of uh, Christie's campaign uh, do serious damage to Trump. If they do, um, then it's anybody's guess as to uh, who will. Merge uh, the the winner and the front runner, um, you know, That's in it. the Republican primary. But we, it, it's just much too early yeah. to tell because we too many imponderables and things that have to yet happen and, to know and, what's going to uh, go on.
0: And an awful lot of candidates uh, in, in the race, so this could uh, just throw everything uh, into disarray with respect to that. And who knows where it all settles out? Meanwhile. Uh, Joe Biden is, is, you know, has his own uh, questions that are uh, surrounding. There are more uh, questions surrounding this uh, bribery scandal and the pay to play. And now there is uh, the FBI whistleblower and someone supposedly has recordings of phone conversations involving the then vice president. And uh, that, that implicate him in, uh, in this whole thing. A lot still has yet to be fleshed out uh, in this. But uh, there's that old saying that where there's smoke, there's fi- fire. And it does seem like the cloud of smoke is getting thicker surrounding the current president.
3: Well, that remains to be seen. That's certainly a part of the conspiracy theories and part of the plan of, uh, uh, you know, Biden opponents and Republican MAGA uh, supporters um, in the Congress oh, uh, sure. so far. And nothing Nothing has come forward. We'll have to wait and see what, if anything, emerges from the special prosecutor's office. There's a lot of speculation about Biden. There always has been a lot of speculation about Biden. There was a lot of speculation right. about and, Barack Obama, and to be None sure, of it, which we which, have fleshed out. So I would wait and see if there's actually anything, including if there is any smoke
0: and and to to be uh to be clear i mean uh certainly uh much of this has to do with uh, the deflection strategy um but i i guess the reason i bring this up and again as it relates to the 2024 uh campaign um it it very well could be uh that we end up with uh, two well as of right now we've got two flawed candidates in the minds of many voters Uh, that are the front-runners, and whenever you have two flawed candidates, we saw it in 2016, you had two flawed candidates, that leads to a very unpredictable election.
3: Well, that's true. Um, I mean, you know, flawed, uh, let's put it this way, Uh, I'm not sure flawed is the right word, but uh, uh, candidates that don't have uh, what appears to be popular support at this point. Yeah. Uh, Things change. Things change as you get closer to an election. The other thing I would say is I can't recall a single election uh, that I have followed in which people uh, didn't find uh, flaws or uh, reservations <laughs> about the candidates. You always see uh, when you ask voters, uh, do you like uh, the two-party candidates? You like the Republican candidate, you Mm. like the Democratic candidate, and inevitably, they all both have uh, negative ratings. Uh, The point is, we've got a two-party system, and so you're left with two choices. And for many voters, um, that's not enough. They really believe they should have a better choice. But we don't have a parliamentary system. We have a, a presidential system, which leaves two candidates. So it's not unusual For voters say they don't like either one. But at the end of the day, uh, most voters wind up for voting for one or the other.
0: A fair point. Uh, It'll be interesting to see not only what happens today, what happens with this case involving the former president, but also how it all plays out under the shadow of presidential politics coming up on an election year. And once again, Professor Alan Sanders, uh, attorney, uh, professor emeritus of political science at St. Peter's University in New Jersey and former Time Magazine senior reporter with us this morning to uh, break this all down. Professor, thanks very much for uh, your insight. We appreciate your view. My pr- pleasure, Chris. Have a great day. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oakes on
2: 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: In Ecuador, mourners at the funeral of an elderly woman were startled to discover Uh, that she was still alive. This is a crazy story. Uh, And you hear about these things occasionally in the news, and they never cease to amaze me. Bella Montoya, age 76, was declared deceased last week following a suspected stroke. According to a news report in the BBC, five hours into her wake on Friday of last week, relatives preparing to uh, change her clothes ahead of the burial found her gasping for air. Isn't that crazy? Ms. Montoya is now back in the hospital in intensive care, and Ecuador's health ministry has set up a committee to investigate how this crazy thing could happen. In a statement, the health ministry said that the woman went into cardiorespiratory arrest, a loss of breathing and heart function, and did not respond to resuscitation attempts. So the doctor on duty... Declared her dead. Uh, her son was quoted by local media saying that his mother had been admitted around 9 o'clock in the morning. And at noon, uh, the son said, doctor came up and told me she had died. And he had no reason to doubt the doctor. No reason to doubt the doctor. Uh, Ms. Montoya was placed in a coffin for several hours until she was seen by family members trying to breathe. A video posted on social media showed her lying in the open casket and breathing heavily while several people crowded around her, as you might imagine. Paramedics uh, were then called to the scene and observed Ms. Ms. Montoya before uh, moving her to a stretcher and into an ambulance. Now, it's not very often that somebody who is deceased actually recovers, but in this case, um, death is not terminal, uh, apparently. so. Easy story. Speaking of people who were thought to be dead but weren't, uh, back in this country, in New Orleans, a chef that family members thought was dead actually turned out to be alive. According to local news reports, Demetriac Scott uh, showed up at his family's home on Monday afternoon as reporters were about to cover his death. <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, Mr. Scott had had not been heard from by uh anyone in his family for uh more than two weeks and uh they i don't know how they jumped to the conclusion that he must be deceased they hadn't heard from him for a couple of weeks and so all of a sudden they uh, assumed that he had died uh but uh <laughs> then he shows up at a relative's uh home just as uh <laughs> the news was about to be reported and said i'm not dead uh, Mr. Scott said he had just needed some time to himself, and he had no idea that his family was that concerned for his well-being, but uh, apparently all's well that ends well. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Can you imagine showing up? Um, I guess let that be the moral of the story is, you know, make sure that you call your family every now and then. <laughs> They might suspect that you're no longer among the living. Uh, Let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news. Now, this seems like a problem that could possibly take care of itself. Police in South Korea arrested a British man for attempting to climb the Latte World Tower in Seoul. It's a 123-story building that he uh, was caught climbing a security guard spotted George King Thompson climbing up the building without the benefit of a rope or any sort of safety equipment. And uh, he called police. Firefighters say they intercepted the climber on the 72nd floor of the skyscraper. Uh, This is not the first time that uh, Mr. King Thompson has been arrested. Uh, He was uh, uh, charged in 2019 for climbing the London Bridge Tower as well. So this is just something he does in his spare time. Uh, I'm thinking if you just kind of let it play itself out, it might be a problem that takes care of itself. You know I mean, he yeah. no rope, no safety equipment. I think that maybe that would uh, take care of itself, perhaps. <clears throat> Not that I would hope for uh, such things, but, uh, you get the idea. Uh, speaking of problems that could take care of themselves, uh, in Florida, a uh, theme park had um, an unexpected and unauthorized visitor uh, when a 20-year-old man hopped a fence to climb into the alligator exhibit. He apparently wanted to get up close with the park's resident gator to post a video on social media. That doesn't strike me as too bright. Uh, The video... What went viral online but the man faces charges of trespassing and burglary for his crime hopping into the alligator exhibit uh he was arrested and uh, posted bond but again here's a, here's the a thing that uh you know if you just let that let nature take its course that may be a problem that takes care of itself they want to discourage people from climbing into the alligator exhibit well just kind of let that go and see where it, see what happens I'm thinking that's a problem that'll take care of itself. Um, (laughs) Not to be morbid, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Okay. A couple of other items here from the uh, broken news. In uh, East Yorkshire, England, a Christmas tree in the town square of Beverly, East Yorkshire, has now become a permanent fixture the town square christmas tree they're not taking it down it's yes christmas six months ago but apparently a wood pigeon has taken up nest in the tree uh it was scheduled uh, according to uh, the news report here the tree was scheduled for removal by the local council back in january but the bird took matters into its own wings and decided to build a nest in the tree, thus invoking the Wildlife and Countryside Act of 1981, a law that states that no one shall take, damage, or destroy the nest of a wild bird while it is in use or under construction. And so they couldn't take down the Christmas tree. And now they have... Uh, the town council has announced that they will not be playing Grinch. They don't want to remove the the bird. and so th- And so now they have decided to make the Christmas tree a permanent fixture. The town square. (laughs) It's Christmas all year long. Thanks to the uh, wood pigeon. (laughs) The Christmas spirit. And uh, finally, another story from merry old England. uh, In the uh, broken news, in a hilarious maritime escapade, Three adventurous souls found themselves adrift at sea on an inflatable duck. According to news reports, three daring souls decided to embark in an aquatic adventure with an inflatable duck and a trusty companion on an inflatable kayak. However, their enthusiasm quickly deflated as they found themselves drifting further away from the safety of the shore. Despite their valiant efforts, the friend on the kayak struggled to paddle the inflatable duck back to land. Rescuers were still on their way to the scene when a man on a paddleboard ventured out to tow the inflatable duck back to the beach. So a bystander to the rescue, the paddleboarder was able to bring the duck close enough to shore for the three men to jump out and return to the beach. The inflatable was then blown back out to sea. As for the inflatable duck, it was retrieved by the Royal National Lifeboat Institution, um, who dubbed the inflatable quackers and joked it was their new apprentice crew member. (laughs) Can you imagine (laughs) radioing an SOS from an inflatable duck? Uh, There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
1: When you're behind the wheel, it's okay to rock out to your music. But it's not okay to interact with your phone screen and electronic devices while driving. In most cases, anything more than a single touch or swipe is against the law. That means no texting, no typing, no scrolling, no shopping, no browsing. If an officer sees a violation, they can pull you over. So remember, Ohio, phones down. It's
0: the law. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. This is more evidence that young people today have a very different uh, outlook on dating and relationships and openness and honesty maybe than generations prior did. A, a new survey, uh, reach, uh, they, asked, uh, they asked people, different age groups, how likely they are to fess up about previous indiscretions in relationships with their current significant other, all right? Uh, How likely are you to fess up about your scandalous romantic history uh, with somebody that you are dating now? And I think many, especially of us uh, older, think, well, why would I open up that can of worms? (laughs) But young people, uh, researchers found that 82% of those between the ages of 18 to 24 were willing to come clean about having cheated on a previous partner. 82% said that they would be open and honest about that with a current date as early as the first date, which, wow, that's, that's very open. Uh, when they asked baby boomers, the same question, 77% said that they would be willing to be, open and honest about previous indiscretions. I wonder how many would be willing to go that far on the first date, to open be that open on the first date, though. Um, Across all generations, this was something else that was kind of interesting in the survey, across all generations, women more likely to be forthcoming than men were. So maybe it's less of a generational thing and more about a gender thing. I'm not sure. But uh, kind of interesting. I was uh, just shocked to find 82% of uh, young people uh, to be willing to be that open and honest with a current partner uh, on a current date as early as the first date. I don't know. Maybe kind of risky, but that's just me. Well, of course, we're in the middle of uh, graduation season and also Father's Day, kind of converging as it always does every year. So joining us this morning is lifestyle expert Joanne Butler with uh, some cool gifts for all of those guys uh, in your life, dads and grads. Joanne, thanks very much, first of all, for joining us this morning. What do you have for us here? Uh,
4: thanks for having me, Chris. Well, let's start with some skincare goodies, a little grooming for the guys. Um, first off, the iconic old Spice, uh, they have this gentleman's blend exfoliating body wash that guys is just loving. It covers all your bases. feel good, look good, and smell good. And it has this rich, creamy lather that just does double duty to exfoliate and hydrate your skin at the same time for 24 hours. And of course, it smells amazing. It comes in two scents, a Himalayan sea salt and glacial water, and a brown sugar and cocoa butter. And both of these are actually endorsed by the Skin Health Alliance, which is a global group of germs and scientists. So you know it's good stuff for your skin, you know. And even better, Chris, it's the seven ninety nine. So there's that. And then up next, an amazing shave cream from Heos, which is an amazing skin brand I love. Um, they're Ultra Protect, which is a great shave cream. What's special about it is that most traditional ones are foamy and airy and messy, and they don't really have the moisturizing ingredients that skin needs, but this one is really buttery and creamy, and it's just like a cushion on skin, and it protects from, you know, the irritations and from your own shaving, so you just get a nice, slow, smooth, comfortable shave made with oatmeal and shea butter and aloe, um, so you're getting, you know, 24 hours of moisture here, too, good for the most sensitive skin, and it comes in of blue surf and fresh woods, and also a fragrance free and this is just $5.97 at some stores. Um, like you know Walmart, Target, Amazon yeah so definitely a good deal for some high-end skin care
0: that is awesome because you know again <laughs> this is the same for all of us you look good you feel good uh that is a, yeah. a great way to great way to start pamper the uh, the guys in your life uh it's anything exact,
4: else for sure Yeah, um, if your dad or grad is into reading, Tom Hanks just came out with his first ever novel, inspired by his own career. Uh, It's about the making of a superhero action movie. It's called The Making of Another Major Motion Picture Masterpiece. Um, It's just a funny, heartfelt, really fun read. Uh, And, you know, everybody loves Tom Hanks. And then uh, if dad or grad is into music, who isn't, right? A bunch of great new tunes um, are released just today. To mention uh, the Foo Fighters, a really uh, special first release without telling Hawkins. Um, so that's out today. Mm-hmm. Ben Bold uh, just released something his first in 2015. And then the UK band The Alarm. I don't know if you remember them. They're huge in the oh, 80s or yeah. back. Right now. Yeah. Well, uh, the frontman Mike Peters uh, wrote this while he was in the hospital fighting leukemia. So it's a really special, it's a great, great mm. album. Um, And there's a limited edition vinyl out.
0: I was gonna I ask vinyl yeah good. I was gonna ask if any of those were uh, available on vinyl because uh, I can yes, I mean I love- this that would be a, a just a great gift basket for dad uh, you know what for I mean sure. you get an album a yep. book uh, yep. all of the uh, grooming stuff dad's all set right there uh, again that, yeah uh, lifestyle expert Joanne Butler with us this morning a few uh, quick ideas for dads and grads um, as we uh, get through graduation season father's day all of that where do we get more information joanne
4: yeah check out our website life TV. we'll have uh, more info and other goodies there for you all
0: right terrific we will uh, link it up on our web page as well joanne butler thanks very much for the time we appreciate it
4: oh uh, chris thanks for having me so great to talk to you
0: And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage, that of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, the difference between leveraging technology and relying on technology, why one can lead to greater business success and the other won't. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, going out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.